Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. This is the H, an honest conversation about health, hemp, and happiness. Today we have Gerald Spawn. Yep. <laughs> Say hello, Gerald. <laughs> Hi guys. I'm back. And then we have Gerald is actually got us a special guest, someone uh he's pretty much grown up with it sounds like. We got a little bit of a conversation and right at the beginning. Um we have one of Gerald's good buddies that he said, Brandon, I got to get him on the podcast. He brings mm-hmm. such good energy. Um, I'm excited to hear about this, and I'm actually going to be quiet, and Gerald's taking the lead on this one, guys. Uh, Oleg, I'm excited to get to hear about you and get to know about Gerald's past and his dirty little secrets you might have. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Gerald, I'm going to do my best then to not reveal as much as, uh, as, much as we've been set up for here. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> So Oleg, uh, how, why don't you introduce yourself and talk a little bit about, um, so he, him and I met in college at Kent State University um, through the entrepreneurship program and um, just two individuals that have um, go-getter mindsets um, that have always reached for more and, and worked to better ourselves and, and create a better world for, um, you know, around us and for, for everyone else around us. Um, why don't you talk a little bit about, um, you know, you went to Kent and then you moved to Austin and uh-huh. what you've done, you know, with overcoming odds and doing that as well. Absolutely. I appreciate you. First of all, I appreciate both of you for creating the space to begin with and an opportunity mm-hmm. to share my story and perspectives. So when you and I met at Kent, I remember it was my, I think it was my junior. No, it might've been my senior year. Maybe it was my junior year yeah. where we first uh, crossed paths. And in fact, I remember the class, setting that we were in was with uh, Mary Heidler. It was uh, entrepreneurial marketing, I believe. It was. Mm -hmm. And I remember in that course, what stood out to me the most about you was the same thing that you described. And it was the go-getter mindset and also just the ability to learn and the desire to learn. That's one of the biggest things that has really been a driver for me is the desire to learn new things and know that there's so many things in life that I truly don't know. And if I continue to put myself in situations where I am a student of life and throughout it be able to open up new ways of thinking, new opportunities. And so after Kent, what I realized was that's what really was the last year of college was the first year of the beginning to this journey of mine. And I remember if I started to ask myself the question of why me, which I think is probably relatable to the two of you as, when, as well as many of the listeners of the show. That question stuck with me for quite some time. And what I realized over time was that the question of why me, the answer to that question was so much simpler than I thought it had to be. I thought that the answer to that question had to come in this grand gesture, kind of like Hollywood blockbuster film. When in reality, what I realized that in simply reframing the question of why me to why not me gave me that answer. Yep. So as I look at my past and all the challenges that I faced of coming here from a foreign country, being born to a household where My dad was in prison, my mom was an alcoholic, and my sister, who was 18 years older, actually ended up becoming my legal guardian. Yep. What I realized through that journey was that 
so many of the circumstances that I was born into did not have to be the circumstances that I continue to live my life through. And that in reframing that question of why me to why not me, I was able to step into that next chapter, the next journey of my life. And that's where I think that vision for overcoming odds was born. In fact, as I even look at that name right now, overcoming odds, that's what my life is. That is the way that I would describe who I am is an individual who constantly continues to overcome and work through whatever the obstacles that might be presented in front of me. And so moving to Austin at the time seemed like a logical choice. And the reason why is because I remember after doing some research about the different cities that had high quality of life, access to resources and good entrepreneurial ecosystem, Austin, Texas was the top of the list. Now here's the thing, and this is I think that's something you've experienced as well, Gerald. Yep. Moving to a new city, it's challenging. Especially to a city where you may not know a single soul. Yep. But what I've learned through my experience is because I have done similar transitions in my past, having moved from one country to another, having moved from Ann Arbor to then to Kent, from Kent to Austin was that the ability to adapt was almost innate. It was part of who I was. And so I truly wasn't even, I would say, scared when I moved here because I knew internally that I could figure it out. I knew that I could build that network. I knew that I could find that ecosystem that can support my dreams and aspirations in life. And so moving here was that logical choice. And then from there, I was very fortunate to have had the ability within me to just go and start knocking on doors. Remember first week or maybe first month, I would go to different organizations that I felt aligned with my mission. This is prior to overcoming odds, even having a website. I would go and knock on their doors and I would introduce myself. And in some cases, I would be told that I needed to have a meeting in order to meet with the individual that I showed up to their office. But then I remember there was one person in particular, his name was Spencer, who chose to sit down with me for 30 to 45 minutes. And it was during that conversation, he said, I'm gonna help you. I'm gonna do what I can to introduce you to whoever it is that you need to be introduced to. And so long story longer, the lesson that I learned from that journey is this. I firmly believe that whatever it is that you're seeking in life, you can get and you can find. I believe that one of the ways to do that is to just show up. Yep. I'm a firm believer that for those that choose to show up, doors open. Now there's a level of courage that I think gets developed or needs to be developed to walk through those doors. But the possibility that there is a door is enough for me to step into any challenge. I think I think that's that's actually something that's been innate to me as well. Like you mentioned, uh, being adaptable, and I think you know me and you. I remember uh, I don't remember the content of the conversation, but I do remember it centered around the fact that both of us experienced what it was like to have an alcoholic parent, because uh -huh. my mother uh, as well was an alcoholic and um, ended up uh, you know uh, passing away because of it. 
So you and I, um, I, I know that was a, a thing. And I, there's something about, you know, losing a, a, a parent early on. It, it, it triggers something psychologically that, um, um, and this is, this is not just me bullshitting. This is actually, this is true. Psychologically, it signals in a, in a child's mind, you are not safe. Um, yep. And it's not necessarily a, one, one way is a passing. The other way is just understanding, like, they might still be here, but you're kind of on your own. Um, it's that you're not safe. And that's like what you would say is the ignition for you to, um, for you to start pushing for more. And yeah. it, it's something that both you and I have. And it's like, uh, I think that helped us understand, um, oh, what's, what's the worst that can happen? I can walk in into this meeting and they can say, ah, eh, not interested. And how bad of a feeling is that compared to what, what I call like the real shit, you know, yeah. like, like losing a parent, um, you know, something tragic <laughs> happening. So I, I think for us, you know, we see what some people might uh, look at as like um, the possibility of a door being open um, as this big, huge, scary thing. And, and for me and you, it's like, no, like, th like there are things that are that are much harder. Uh, let's be a little vulnerable here, but um, at the at the potential that it could really help our lives. Exactly. Know? And I think with that experience, what you just described, in my opinion, it's a blessing and a curse. Right. Yep. The blessing of it is that it gives you an opportunity and it gives you a perspective from a lived experience that you can move into that new challenge and know that you have been in worse situations. That level of neglect and rejection you've already faced, but on a completely different spectrum than receiving a no to someone that you show up at the door. The curse part about it is because you were put in that situation where survival was your only mechanism, it doesn't leave. It's, it's always there. And it always, I think it always makes me second guess and question, especially in situations where there's no, there's no reason to question a situation, but because I've lived through it and I know through firsthand that my mom did this or my father chose to do this. I just know that it's also a possibility because those were real events that happened. And I think a lot of it's, it's not un, only understanding those circumstances and those possibilities but it's understanding yourself too and and for as much as um i've always been a, a go-getter and, and someone that's like um someone that's pushed for more i'd actually you know to be quite honest i don't know about you but i'd say only the past two or three years since graduating college have i come to come to understand that self-awareness and understanding myself really is is like is what's going to push me further and um, I, I do want to stress for anyone listening, um, you don't have to have went through and or experienced the things that Oleg and I have in yeah. order to, you know, those things don't make us special. It was just maybe an earlier um, eye opening, you know, um, an earlier, an earlier um, like experience that made it apparent to us, you know, pretty clearly. Um, but I really think um, if you know yourself first and foremost, and you know what you want, it keeps you from wasting a lot of time. It keeps you from, uh, you know, doing things that truly don't matter. Cause we, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I sometimes still get stuck in that a little bit where yeah. I start doing something for a few weeks and then I'm like, oh shit, why am I doing this? This doesn't progress, <laughs> progress my life at all. But um, I, I think, you know, as to where I can figure that out in a few weeks into doing something, um, some people are so, uh, like um, they don't pay attention to themselves and they don't really think about what they want or need that it could be years, you know, working that job for years and not realizing ah, I hate it. 
Um, so I, I think paying attention to yourself is incredibly important. Well, I think it also goes back to the point of something that you mentioned as far as the self-awareness aspect. What I've learned throughout my life is choosing to question my surroundings at any given moment. Yeah. I'm really trying to understand why am I doing this? What is the intention? What is the attention that I'm putting behind it? Going to Kent State was actually a very eye-opening experience to me, and here is why. When you think about the University of Kent State compared to top 50, top 100 universities, you will not see that name on that list. But what I've learned through my own experience of attending that particular college is that I believe it doesn't really matter what the name of the school is. What matters is what you choose to do with that experience, who you choose to connect with, who you choose to interact, who you choose to share your life and your energy with. As I look back at that particular experience of mine, Mary Heidler, Craig Zamory, Dr. Sue Wright, and a couple other people completely changed my life, 110%. And the person that I've become and the person that I will continue to become is all due to the fact that they chose to open up to me and they helped me see things through a completely different lens that I didn't even think was possible. So when it comes to that school, what I've realized over time is that, in my opinion, there have been so many times in life where I chose to attach all of these societal meanings to certain structures and thinking that the only way to receive a higher form of education, you have to go to Harvard or you have to go to Michigan or you have to go to Ohio State. When in reality, that's not the case because let's face it, when it comes to the education component, I believe that it's all about the individual pursuit of knowledge. So what's the point? Why does it matter where you go if the question is more about what do you do with that experience and what's the experience that you choose to have? And if that's true, then it makes me think that that experience can be had anywhere. It could be had at a community college. You could have it as a college dropout or you could have it as someone who chooses not to go to college. Resources are there. It's 2020. Let's face it. What speaker can you not hear? What book can you not have access to in this particular age? Public library is a perfect example. Library cards are free. Well, to a degree, I think all you need is an address, proof of residency. And then from there, you can access any resource you want that's already given to you through the institutions. And so what, I, that what I'm choosing to emphasize within this is the importance of questioning life at every single chapter and every single stage and understanding, also understanding that whatever the chapter you might be going through right now, it's not the final chapter, that there are other ways, there are other avenues through which you can achieve some of that knowledge that you're trying to seek after. So for us, it just happened to be so that we went to a school that is, I don't know, top 500, 300, whatever the number is. But yet I feel that through that experience, I kid you not, I received a level of knowledge that people within top five schools receive in the world. I'm able to have conversations with graduates of Harvard, Columbia, Yale, whatever it may be. And I'm in the same frequency as them. So the question then becomes is why do we put so much emphasis on those schools 
And it's through that, I think, emphasis, we actually damage some of the mental health and the confidence. Now, think about it. If you don't get into Harvard, all of a sudden your self-confidence is as low as the floor. Why does it have to be that way? How does that impact the direction you're actually going to create by going to that school? When in the back of your mind, the only message that you hear is you didn't get into Harvard. Are you actually ever going to show up presently? wherever you're at, because there is that self-limiting belief in the back of your mind that says you didn't get into that, therefore you're not worth it. I'm interested. I in think your that's take. a great comment. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I'm, I'm interested in your take on this Oleg. So um, the way that I look at it is that's stuff like that are based on expectation. So, mm -hmm. you know, like you expect to get into this. If you don't, it's a huge blow. Um, you expect it to be the absolute best university that's going to give you the best experiences um, as to where, like you said, you know, we can um, do the same amount, if not more, with our experiences somewhere else um, as those people at Harvard, Yale, you know, Penn, what it might, what might have you. So my question is, is because I do this in my own life, I just don't know how to like explain it very well. I have expectations for myself and I have expectations for things, but at the same time, I guess I do not tie my emotions to those expectations because I think it's important to expect a lot out of yourself and to expect to, um, you know, uh, expect things in a certain way, but I don't tie like the, uh, Oh, like, you know, for me, I expect to win this next fight, but I'm not so tied to that, that if I lose the next fight, I'm crushed and I'll never fight again. You know, right. as to where someone like, oh, I was a 4.0 high school student. Um, I got these test scores. I expect to be able to get into Harvard and then they don't. And then it's like they're completely crushed and diminished. How do you think of that? You know, how, how do you think of like, oh, like I expect this this call that you have later today to go really well and you want it to go well. Um, but at the same time, you're not like tying your your health to it, your mental health. Well, the, the way that I choose to look at it is something that it was actually just a stranger that passed. <clears throat> he passed on this message to me during a conversation I had with him, which has stuck in the back of my mind ever since. He said, focus more on who you become rather than what you become. And I think that focuses on choosing to focus on the journey rather than choosing to focus on a destination. When I think about the schools, not to make that subject any longer than what it is, but one of the things that I've learned- I have a question about it before you go away. <laughs> one, of the, one of the things that I've learned about the schools is, in my opinion, the whole concept of success is completely misaligned. Yep. Who is to say that the only way you can achieve success is by attending one of the top universities? Who's to say that success, period? Success, I believe, is a question that you face on your own and define for yourself. What does success look like for you? For you, success may, seem, may simply be as driving for Uber. That might be your success because of the conversations it brings, the income, the flexibility, and then the list goes on. So I think so many times in society, a lot of these elements of success have been defined for us and we don't actually, A, we're not given the room to think and identify what success looks like for us. And B, many people, in my opinion, don't 
I don't know if they've been exposed to the ability to think because it takes time to actually develop critical thinking. Correct. And that's, and the third point of that is critical thinking. Who is to say that college is the only form that where you can receive critical thinking? For me, it's just one way. It's one avenue. It's not the end of the road. And that's another thing that I think kind of is able to rank some of these universities in thinking that if you go here, the level of critical thought you're going to receive is going to be that much higher than the university below that and the one below that. And that's where I think it's, it's like I was in that mode for however many years until I broke away from it in thinking out, wait, who cares where I go? It's all about what I choose to do with it. So it goes back to the point of, I think, continuing to challenge whatever the assumptions, whatever the expectations that you choose to have, and then also just not being tied to the result or wherever you're at as the result, whether it's school, whether it's being in a job, whether it's fighting like yourself. So what that you may lose the next fight? What's more important, the W on the score sheet or the person that you become and the level of skills that you develop that you can translate into other experiences with, within your life beyond fighting? I think that that's a great, great concept. I love where your head's at on that. Uh, I think the other thing that people have to understand, and this is me coming, I know you two are talking about like your past a little bit and all that, and you guys have had some pretty heavy past. I mean, I think everybody can think of a story. We might not have lost a, a parent or dealt with the alcoholism, which I'm sorry you both have, but mm -hmm. we've had problems and we've, dealt with things and it's building ourselves back up the college thing that i think is interesting though is i think there's also the societal peer pressure a yes. lot of people think they have to go to college because yep. well you need that experience you need that like knowledge you're not going to get a good job and they hear these things and they associate it as i'm not going to be successful if i don't do that and that's not a mentality we should have it's it's College, yeah, is good for certain people. It really does get some people on the right path, but that doesn't mean it's for everyone. Sometimes trade school is what it does. Sometimes fighting. I know Gerald is an amazing person, but his mental health, he talks about all the time. He, has, he knows how to fight, but he takes his mental health seriously, so that way the, the fighting is just another form of him bringing out the best him. Right. Like you said, you can lose that fight, but at the end, what, what impact did you leave on the world that maybe you changed a lot more and you just didn't become a heavyweight champion or something, you know? I think there's also a lot to be said in regard to what you just said about generational thoughts that get passed down to us. This is, once again, completely my opinion as everything else that I've said over the course of this conversation. When it comes to talking about college, if you talk about college and the problems that you face as a millennial, just think about it for a second. How are you viewed to the outside world? Oh, here's another person that's bitching. Here's another person that has their problems. Here's another person that is entitled, that's going against the grain. And that could be perceived through someone who viewed college as the answer. Maybe some of our parents, right? 
So in colliding with the two realities under, in understanding that when our parents were younger, college might have been the way, without a doubt. But in this particular society that we're living, I don't think it's the way. I think it's a way. So the narrative has shifted. And because of it, what I've learned is that, in my opinion, there are very few spaces where we can genuinely sit there and understand each other's situations for what they are without judgment. So once you start presenting the different reasons why you or someone else may not go to school, all of a sudden, boom, you're viewed as X, Y, and Z. When in reality, why? Where does that actually lead the conversation beyond that? Judgment is only going to lead to other forms of judgment. And then that might also transition into anger. And then if that's the truth, then how are we going to have a peaceful conversation through which we can transform some of these systems? Mm -hmm. So when challenging the norms that have been actually created for us, and this has been true for every generation. You know, you look at people who are older, the things that we might have about those is, oh, they don't know this or they think they know it all, you know, millennials. Think about the label that gets slapped onto that, entitlement. Sure, I might have been entitled, but that's true for every other person in life. <laughs> that's a, more, a matter of perspective. Like, what does it actually mean to be entitled? Exactly. The average age of a millennial is 38 to 25, I believe. It's something along those lines, like 40 to 25. Let's just use that so it's easy numbers. That is a huge generation, and I'm sitting here, like you said, they call us entitled, because I'm 38, I'm 37. Woohoo! almost made me <laughs> uh, I'm 37, and I'm labeled a millennial, and to hear my parents say, oh, millennials are lazy, I'm sitting there going, so you say I'm lazy. Correct. Like, I work my ass off, and I'm not liking that, like, I, like my dad, I, he was, I remember being younger, his parents had the same complaints about them. And now they're doing the same things they complained about their parents. So generationally it's moving along and they're thinking like, we need to all have that house, white picket fence, college degree, two cars in the driveway. And the husband in old time thinking needs to be the only one doing it. But yet in today's society, we're noticing you have a two working household income. You some households have two jobs each. We're yeah. noticing people are not focusing on the education because it's hard enough to just support yourself. It's, it, it's a totally different time, and people need to be more, like you said, in tune to their realm. And noting, yeah. noticing the realms around them, maybe they don't agree with you. Maybe they're not the same wavelengths. But at the end of the day, there's still another person, and you need to be able to treat that person with the same respect, whether they're 70 or whether they're 25. Yeah. So then the question becomes, and this is something that I'm curious to hear from either of you, if it's okay to agree to disagree, how do we create that space? How do we create that space as individuals? I saw you laugh at me, Gerald. I'm going to order my lunch and put this <laughs> on mute so you guys don't hear that I'm ordering Wendy's. And then, um, Gerald, I'm going to let you answer, and then I'm going to throw two cents in, just and I can make it really quick. Uh, Gerald, go ahead. I'll, be, I'll shut up. So... I think I think the way that you create that space is you you let it be known that it that it's okay. I think that's the biggest thing is people, you know, people feel like they're alone. Um, 
they don't know if they have anyone that feels the same way that someone that they can confide in and, and not be either made fun of or judged or anything like that, because we are in such a, a judgmental world. And I think a lot of that's just, you know, created by society as a whole. So I, I think first and foremost, um, you got to let people know that it's okay to, um, to be different, um, to break away from the norm. And, and I think the norm actually, I think it all needs broken though, the, the entire system, all the rules, all this and that, because I, I think what's been established is like Brandon said, the white picket fence, um, you know, the, the house, two cars, et cetera. Um, but you know, where in that conversation, um, do you think about what truly makes you happy? What do you like to do? What do you want to do? Um, and I think for people like you and I that, um, well, and Brandon, absolutely as well, um, that are doing things that aren't, aren't, um, I saw the eyebrows. Yes, I see them. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> I, I think for people like us, um, it's acceptance, acceptance of who we are. And, and I think that's hard for people because, um, they, they build up the pressures of what, you know, what's seen on social media, what we're supposed to be. They like looking at, you know, maybe I look at you as someone I went to, to college with and maybe you post a bunch of things on social media and I think, oh man, he is so much further ahead than I am. You right. know, like, like maybe I should just put my head down and focus on this thing that'll get me there instead of doing what I truly want to do, because that might take five more years to, you know, to do. So um, I think we, let people know um, they're not alone and that we can have this conversation. And then I think we just build awareness around the fact that this is truly something that people think about a lot, whether they talk about it a lot or not yeah. is, is to be seen. Any person you open up this can of worms with talks about it. Yeah. Especially in our generation. Mm -hmm. I mean, having gone through what we have and, now we see access to all these other opportunities and the questions that pile up of, did I even have to go to school? And, and, you're, and something Brandon had mentioned at the beginning, when it comes to college, I believe there are benefits, 100%. One of the biggest benefits that I took away from that experience is networking. But yeah. here's the funny thing. If networking was one of the top things that I took away from college, I never sat in a class that was labeled Networking 101. Did you? No, not a, never. No. So if that's one of the things that is perceived that we get through that experience, why is there no course about it? I think what it is, is it's, uh, I think it's something that's, I don't know why, because uh, the system's broken. You know, like, I, I think that's, that's part of the answer. It's, uh, you know, you, you get your, you get your generals, you get the classes in that get you closer to getting that job. And it's not, you know, where is there a class to teach you people skills, like you said, like networking? Yeah. Where is there a class to teach you to take care of yourself? There isn't. You know, where is right. there a class that teaches you how to change your oil, um, you know, fix a flat tire, you know, things that we all encounter? Because you'll see people on the side of the road having a mental breakdown because their tire's flat and they have absolutely no fucking clue what to do. I've um, been there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like, you know, for you, maybe it's like a – like maybe you're a 22, 23 year old, or, you know, there are some people that are 36, 37 that it happens and then they're freaking out. Um, and I think it's, uh, I think the, the hierarchy of applicable skills in life um, is much different from the hierarchy of uh, 
the skills that are taught in our education system. Yeah. Quick question for both of you. Having gone through different elements of schooling throughout your life, what have you noticed as far as a mental impact that you, that the societal pressure has had on you, such as the labels of being a millennial and as Brandon described judge or judgment or not hardworking. Um, same thing with school, having attended the school that you have, if that ever comes up in a conversation amongst people who might have attended quote unquote higher ranked university, what do you see as far as a toll that it has on your mental system? So I'm going to actually jump in really quick. So first is I was in college, God, like I'm an early millennial before they started calling us all lazy. Okay. And <laughs> my thing was they weren't just my, my parents, my family, everybody. Uh, I was in college during the first recession in 2008 and I'm sitting there going like, hold on a minute, I, I, I'm supposed to get a degree to find a job, but we're noticing everything's starting to fall apart. So what does the college and family and friends all tell me? Well, if you're not able to find a job, you need to have a better educational system and like a good paying job. So go get a master's. And like, I know so many people that went on to go get accelerated degrees and we were pushed at the early generations and getting in more debt. We're literally going out and we're trying to find jobs and can't find jobs because it was the, like the lowest job market like in like 50 years. And then we turn around and when we're not able to find jobs, we're going back to school because we need to be able to do something to extend it. And then we graduate and they're like, oh, you need seven to 10 years experience with uh, and, and your master's now makes you overqualified. So jobs that I was interviewing for before the recession that didn't need a degree that I didn't need 10 years experience. When the recession hit, all of a sudden I needed seven to 10 years experience. My master's was too much. And I had, and I had to have, uh, and I need, I needed all these other things. And I'm sitting there going, wait a minute. Now I'm way overqualified at the end of all of this. And for me, it was just like a slap in the face of like reality. And that was my thing of like, hold on. I went and did what I needed to do. I did what was societal norms. And then the economy fell out, which is not an excuse for anybody, but like I had to still survive. And then you turn around and I get that master's, two of them. And I turn around and the jobs that I was supposed to get are no longer there. And they're taking people with less education because they know they can pay them a lot less. Mm. And that was my situation. Um, the way I handle, I do my best to handle things is, I created my company, which is a sponsor of the show, Delight Cafe CBD, the only odorless, colorless, tasteless CBD. It's for the person on the go. It's individual packets of, I'm at a red light, guys. That way you don't know what none of the listeners yell at me either. <laughs> it's individual packets of odorless, colorless, tasteless CBD, full-spectrum CBD. And the reason I did this is because, like, there's a lot of things in my life. I, I have anger issues just like anybody. Uh, I suffer from mental health issues like depression and anxiety and bipolar disorder. People hear those things and they associate it right away with somebody who's homeless. Mm. And they, they picture something negative. And for me, I'm a very, I hate to say emotional person, but I think Gerald would agree. I, I kind of know where I'm going with things and I let my emotions speak. And then I'm very... Uh, 
I'm very adamant with what I say sometimes. And the reason I created this brand is I wanted to break down the barriers of CBD and I needed to break down the barriers of myself first. I got those masters to be able to get jobs because I thought that would make me accepted by today's societal standards. I had a theology degree because I wanted to be a youth pastor. So my family would be proud to say they have a pastor as a son. And then I got into this industry. And the thing that got me the most was when I took time to really let go of wanting everybody else's approval and learn for myself and love myself, I learned that in every situation, whether it's a flat tire to dealing with a bad business partner, if I stay calm, I will be able to keep the situation balanced, which you'll see there, and then also be able to... Oh, I think we lost Brandon. Brandon, we can't hear you. <laughs> you look good. I hate when people do that. <laughs> Joe's calling in. Sorry about that. Can you hear me? Uh, you're very quiet no, you now. Drop. Sorry, guys. There. You're good now. So what I was saying was basically finding my calm in each situation. If you stay calm, you'll be able to stay balanced, and you'll be able to find that even if you don't agree, at least you walk out of the situation delightful. Like, meaning... We can disagree, but at least we're not like wanting to kill each other. Um, and that was why I created my company. And then the podcast being what it is, is meant to be where we open doors and conversations that most people are afraid to have because of either social norms or whatever. But for me, that's why I did all this. It's helped me, like you were saying, how do you handle it? I do everything I can to not let my emotions take over. So I stay calm in every situation and keep everything balanced because otherwise, one person's emotions can take everything in a totally wrong direction very easily. Yeah. Hey, Brandon, did your parents attend a more prestigious university than you did? Uh, so that's actually funny. No, uh, neither of my parents went to college. That's why it was so important to me or important to them that I graduated. Uh, I am the first member of my entire family, mom, dad, aunts, uncles, everything, to not only have a college degree, but get an advanced degree with master's. Um, it was very exciting to go know I'm going to push myself that hard to get those things. And I thoroughly enjoyed my master's because it was like, I was like, you said, like sitting down with people in Harvard and stuff like that. Like, you're like, okay, they literally are the type of people that are, they, they have this realm about them. And I never thought I'd be able to do that. And then all of a sudden I'm in my master's and I'm like speaking with city leaders and directing meetings and sitting down with the mayor of Cleveland and throwing ideas out for revitalizing a city. And it made me realize that my voice can be heard, but I also need to make sure that I believe in me and wanting all those other opinions from parents to the mayor to successful events doesn't do anything if you don't love yourself, you know? Yeah. Gerald, what about you? What about your family? Piggybacking off of him, 
so no, I'm actually the, um, my mom did go to school to, uh, to be an RN, a registered nurse. So, um, but other than that, um, my dad didn't go to school. I'm the only one in my, in my immediate family that went to college. So, um, but to, uh, to piggyback off of what Brandon was saying, like, so that actually was something I was, I was wanting to do as well to like, to be like, you know, that person. It felt like, you know, oh, I need to do this. I need to show like, um, I need to show that, um, I guess I should say commitment, um, to doing more. Um, and, you know, come to find out removed from the experience, you know, what, what are we three years out of college now? Um, if I wasn't an athlete, I'm not really sure that I would have went to school looking back, you know, um, I yeah. got, like I said, I got the, uh, the connections are the biggest thing. Uh, the people I met, um, the people I stay in touch with now and that helped me along the way. Um, I can't really accurately describe, um, how important that was and how much it meant to me. But, um, as far as the school experience itself, like what I learned, um, you know, I, I could have learned a lot of those things on my own or, or a different. Did I lose you again? <laughs> I can hear you, but can't hear Gerald. I, I get it. I don't know where he went. I don't know. Did he like drop out the call? Nope. Still see a picture of him. But I do too. There he is. Yeah. So I don't know if this is still being recorded. I hope so. My <laughs> PC just exploded. So um, it still is. Yeah. We're so good. I'm hoping that I don't need a new PC because I don't know what has happened, but it just it just zonked out. But to uh. To continue on, so for me, um, as far as the like the, the pressures and you know, millennial this, what are you doing that? Um, I have been always been pretty good at accepting myself and um, knowing what I need and, and what's important to me. So um, I just don't, I just don't listen. For me, it's like uh, I kind of got like uh, a non PC way of, of describing it, but it's like oh like. If you're in my corner, cool. If not, fuck them. You know, like, like I, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not going to let the negativity get in. Like if, if I'm a few minutes into meeting someone new and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm an MMA fighter. And they're like, oh, like you do that. And I can just feel the judgment. It's just like, ah, like this conversation is probably going to last another 30, 30 seconds, you know, like, so for me, it's, um, I just don't let it bother me at all. I just like, I, I have a very good filter you know, what's good for my life and my brain, I take in what's bad for my life and my brain, I don't let in at all. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point. And it's such a, you know, it's a critical skill to develop without a doubt, in understanding which piece of information that you choose to take in, and which do you choose to take out. Because here's the thing that I've learned. <laughs> everything has an influence. Absolutely everything. I think the difference that people like us and some of the other pe listeners of your show that might have is the ability to choose which of those influences are you going to act upon. Because the action is the thing that creates meaning yep. from those influences. So, you know, it's, it's not to say, and that's some of the things I share with people as well. In my case, one of the things I sometimes get asked is, 
how are you so positive in life? And I say, okay, it's not that I, it's not that I don't experience negative thoughts. I experience them probably as often as you do on a daily basis. The yep. difference is understanding that I have a choice in how I process those judgments, those negative thoughts, those elements of criticism, and what do I do with it? You know, I look at most of those situations and I try to understand, especially in moments of criticism, why are they saying that? And could there be possible truth to it? And if so, what is that truth? What can I take away from any conversation? So I think there's a lot to be said with what we just mentioned, but I guess long story longer, it's just about creating a space. It's creating a space to be heard and to be appreciated for who you are without any form of judgment. I so, agree. I think you're absolutely right. And we talked a little bit about how we're doing that. Um, would you like to share with our listeners more about how you're doing that? Absolutely. So I take a slightly different path than the two of you have done. But I think the thing at the core that connects the three of us and the community that you're building is I choose an approach. I choose to approach every single conversation with that thing in mind. So when I first started this organization, Overcoming Odds, for me, what made the biggest difference, and I, I want to say it's something that Craig and Mary had a big influence on for, for uh, building this business in general. When I first learned how to build a business, I was taught what I believe to be a backwards model. And that was analyze the competition. And if there is competition, don't even bother starting. And it, it was always about... You still there? Hello? Oleg. Now all three of us have had... Uh, yeah, all three of us have had technical difficulties. <laughs> uh, there we go. <laughs> What I was saying was in regard to competition, I firmly believe that you are your biggest competitor. I wholeheartedly believe that. And the reason why is because I believe that you are the only one who has the ability to wake up every single morning and ask yourself the question of, do I stay in business or do I put myself out of business? There is nothing that Google, Apple or Dell or whoever else may do that can actually put you out of business. And so with that mindset, what I've realized was that there's plenty of sand for all of us to play in that sandbox. There are plenty of toys. There's no such thing as lack of. There is an abundance of. So in creating, going back to the initial question of how I choose to create that space, it's really just choosing to approach every situation and conversation with the mindset of ab abundance and also valuing every single person. Because here's something that we even said prior to recording the this particular conversation is I believe every person is of value. Now to some people that may sound crazy. And the reason why is because what do you do in situations when someone else's opinion does not align with yours? I started to look at it from the lens of they're still right. Like who am I to tell you that your views on politics or environment or whatever it may be is wrong? Because here's the thing. You only know what you know at any point. Yep. And whatever that truth may be is true. The truth and how I look at truth from my lens is whatever I believe to be true is true. That truth may change tomorrow. 
Shit, that truth may change the next minute. But who cares? Why does it matter? Why is so much of it being tied up to the ultimatum of having a truth to life when in reality, the truth along with any other subject, it's evolving. It's meant to change. There is a reason why being in a relationship, in my opinion, is one of the hardest things to be in. Because the love component just evolves from something that you envisioned at the beginning to halfway through where you're probably asking what the hell is going on. And towards the end, you ask what just happened? Why is it like, <laughs> why is it like that? <laughs> because everything has its own life cycle. And so I think it just boils down to not choosing to tie myself to the outcome or like the ultimatum and thinking that it can only be this way and it can't be any other way. So accepting people, accepting people's opinions, that's what I've learned is choosing to embrace it that everyone's right. That's it. And, it, and it's the truth of the matter. It really is. Whatever you believe, you're right. And I'm right. And Brandon's right. And that's, I think, what creates that open space of curiosity and the desire to learn from others. I agree. Well, and it's funny, that. Very well said. funny because, uh, I mean, if you think about society, um, what is one thing that's constant in life? It's that everything's always changing. And, yeah. that, and change is actually looked at negatively. Um, you know, if you think about it, like you, you'll hear like maybe an old friend say, oh, man, you changed. Like, yes, yes, I did. I became the next better, best version of myself. Like, and I, I'm going to change tomorrow. And, uh, you know, like I might change in five minutes. But, um, you know, like life changes. Great example. COVID. Life as we all knew it changed as soon as this shit hit. So yeah. um, I, I think that's also another way that we um, that we make that we give people the space to uh, to to grow and to and to uh, be the best version of themselves is to let them know that like change isn't something to be afraid of and to to hide from. It's something yeah. that needs to be embraced because it's it's a constant. Yeah, change is inevitable. That's how I look at it. It's going to happen with or without you. Yep. And the cool part that I've learned is that if that's true, then I might as well be on the side of change. Yep. I might as well try and embrace it, and I might as well make the best out of it because it's going to happen one way or another. Just like you said, COVID came here, and it completely changed some of our lives. Now, I believe you still have a choice that's available to you. What do you choose to do with that experience? What do you, what do you choose to do with the new opportunities? And possibilities that might have been presented to you which begs the question of who are you when it comes to adversity you know if you look yourself in the mirror and you see adversity who is that person are you someone that's going to step into it what do you see as a new opportunity how is the current adversity benefiting you what are you seeing differently what are you willing to act on differently so it, it's all a matter of perspective. It really is. And shifting that mindset and understanding that in shifting the different perspectives, you can shift your reality. That's it. Now, that doesn't happen overnight. <laughs> Let's be realistic about that process. <laughs> it takes how, however long, however many days, however many months, however many years, but it's possible. And for me, in knowing that it's possible, that's enough in knowing that I can do it.
Absolutely. Very well said. I love it. That was very well said. Brandon, I don't even you, know, I don't even know if you can see me. Yeah. I'm assuming you're eating lunch. Yeah, we're seeing you enjoy your lunch right now. <laughs> Guys, I was starving. I needed to put food in me or I was going to sound hangry for that final question. <laughs> Hey, Oleg, it has been a pleasure meeting you. A uh, question we ask everybody is, hey, how do you want to leave your impact on the world? That's a really good question. So for me, I look at impact from a slightly different lens. And that is, I don't necessarily look at it from a specific number of people I'd like to impact throughout this life because after a while, it just becomes something that's, I don't even think possible to count. The other thing in regard to impact is you never know who you're going to impact and you never know when you're going to impact them. Some people may hear this message and five years down the road, something may click. It's the same exact reason why you may pick up a book one day and then pick up the same version 10 years down the road and develop a completely different perspective around it. So for me, what I try and do and what I aspire for is to create spaces for people to articulate meaning of their lives and understand that whatever circumstances they were born into do not have to be the circumstances that they live their lives by today. <laughs> there are opportunities for them to think differently. It's an um, analogy I recently brought up to a friend of mine when I was talking about a different cards or a deck of cards that's available to us. And the, the story that I tell around that particular component is this. I believe when we are born, we are dealt a hand that we did not have a choice in. What's cool about life is that I believe that there is a deck of cards that's available to each and every single one of us to which we have access to. Therefore, we can reshuffle the hand that's in our hand right now, and we can pick new cards. So that's where I think this possibility to live a better life than what you were born into. I firmly believe it's a thing. I mean, you look back at history and probably every single individual that's alive, we've all had circumstances that things did not go as planned. I mean, let's face it. We, we all face storms on a daily basis. Right? We face this yep. storm during this recording where each and every single <laughs> one of us has been lost. <laughs> so that's the point and that's the beauty of life is just the ability to embrace it for what it is and know that what can I control at the end of the day? Maybe it's my action, maybe it's how I choose to perceive others, how I choose to accept others. And that's the impact. That's the impact I want to have is just knowing that. I really did do the best that I can with what I knew and I left people in a better place and that better place may be as simple as giving them an opportunity to think differently about their lives, that it can be different, that there is something else they can envision and be. I love that. That was incredible, man. And, you know, it's funny. I, I swear every time you and I, uh, you and I get on the phone or, or something like that. It's just, it's just adding more layers and like, it, it's, it, it's just so cool to, to have a person like that. So, so I want to thank you. I appreciate it. No, thank you to both of you. 
Uh, I'm really grateful that our paths have crossed Gerald in that marketing class. So that's something that you and I will probably have to forever be grateful for to marry and even creating those spaces where we can collaborate with different people. And, you know, having had this opportunity and seeing Brandon drive what seems like from Cleveland to probably Austin, Texas by now <laughs> <laughs> has also been an enjoyable ride. Thanks for the ride, Brandon. <laughs> so honestly, I'm glad you got the sun today. It's beautiful here. I appreciate it. Worst part is I'm driving back now to where I originally started. <laughs> so I'm Oleg, like, we, we do something every episode um, just uh -huh. before, we, before we get done here. Um, we call it we call it tagging in. And what we do with tagging in is we want to elevate someone that we either look up to or someone in our lives that um, is also trying to make an impact in the way that we are. Um, you know, give them the platform that we've given you and also ha have the chance to, to um, not only help themselves, but help others. So is there anyone that you can think of that either has been a positive influence that you look up to or that you would just like to elevate? Gavin Lovejoy. Okay. Yeah, I know someone, Gavin. Someone that you and I both know. He's, yeah. uh, he's someone who's been there for me many steps of the way, many different situations. And one of the things that st stands out to me about him is I firmly believe that at the end of the day, he is one of those people that I could fully count on, no matter what the situation may be. Yep. And so in, in creating this space for the three of us, I think it would be a great opportunity for the two of you to create that space for him in knowing that he's just like us, just another human being trying to do the best that he can and leave the best possible impact on this world. I love that. Yeah, awesome. I got Gavin's info, so that'll be an easy one. I don't even need it. <laughs> <laughs> Easiest tag yet. All right, perfect. Well, this has been the H Podcast brought to you by Black Girl Media. Shout out to Shayna. And sponsored by Delight Cafe CBD, the only odorless, colorless, tasteless CBD on the market. And we want to thank you again, Oleg, for coming on. He is doing what's called Overcoming Odds, so check him out. It's uh, overcomingodds.today, correct? Mm -hmm. Correct. Mm -hmm. and, I love uh, it. Yeah, so um, we're all good to go, and uh, we can wrap it up here.